Hello and welcome to Arts Wrap with Alicia. I am Alicia Kintner, CEO of ArtsWave, the engine for the arts in the Cincinnati, Ohio region. One of the interesting things about being this engine and running the largest community arts campaign in the nation is that ArtsWave is both a grant maker and a grant seeker. So as a grants maker, we invest about $10 million a year in 150 arts organizations, projects, and artists. And as a grant seeker, we manage a portfolio of 50 to 60 or 70 annual grants that we request of foundations, corporations, and government. And um, that's in addition, of course, to the 20 or 30,000 individuals that contribute to the ArtsWave community campaign. So today I'm really pleased to have as guests um, two great leaders in Cincinnati's not-for-profit sector um, that represent both sides, both ends of this mm -hmm. engine, grant recipient and grant supporter of ArtsWave. So welcome to Jamie Markle of Ignite Philanthropy and Rachel Hastings of Price Hill Will. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. Um, this is kind of like a nerdy insider topic, but it makes <laughs> me really um, kind of alive to think that that we get to take it in and, and push it back out every year in ways that add, I hope, real value to the community. Mm -hmm. And we do that turnaround super fast. We raise the dollars over a short period of time and concurrently make decisions about how to invest them, which requires so much effort by so many community partners. Um, so I'd love for you each to like introduce yourselves and, and a quick snapshot of your organization and how you got there. And then we can talk about that process of investing and receiving. Jamie, why don't you start? Sure, thanks. Um, I'm Jamie Markle. I work at Ignite Philanthropy. I'm the Associate Vice President for the Philanthropic Services Division. So Ignite is a little bit unique because like ArtsWave, the company that I work for, they they help raise money, but we also distribute funds. So uh, the division I work for is in charge of working with foundations and we help them manage their giving. I've been at Ignite for about five years. Um, before that, I went to Xavier University and I have a degree in painting. So like Ooh. many nonprofit <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> sector workers, I came up um, through a non-traditional route. So um, yeah, I studied painting in college. I worked in the fashion industry for about eight years. I worked in media for about 20. And about five years ago, I joined Ignite in the oh. nonprofit services division to help raise money for capital campaigns. <clears throat> um, and then two years ago, I moved over to this position. And the one thing I people always ask me if, how do you like your new position? I say, well, it's a lot more fun to help give away money than it is to have to raise money. So um, from a you foundation management, it's, it's a real honor to be able to work with the foundations we partner with to help them determine uh, the recipients of their funds. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't realize that you had so much experience on both sides of this aisle. <laughs> yes. So yes, I have a pretty well-rounded view of um, what it takes to, to do both sides of the sector. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, Rachel, tell us about you and Price Hill Will. Sure. So um, I'm Rachel Hastings. I'm the executive director at Price Hill Will. Uh, Price Hill Will is the community development corporation and arts organization for all three Price Hill neighborhoods. Uh, so Lower East and West Price Hill, um, which is about 36,000 residents. So it's a big chunk of, of the city. Uh, and our overarching goal is to work with directly with residents to help them improve their quality of life. So it's working on things like pocket parks, rehabbing vacant buildings, creating arts centers like Arco, um, creating the Warsaw Avenue Creative Campus, where we're providing affordable housing and spaces for uh, nonprofits and for-profit businesses to use space, uh, use arts and creativity to connect youth and families. Um, and of course, our biggest program is our youth orchestra called My Cincinnati, uh, which provides free music instruction for 135 youth every day after school in Price Hill. Um, I've been at Price Hill for about five years, so similar to Jamie, about a five-year uh, transition, although my career has always been in community development. So before jumping on this side of the river, I worked at the Center for Great Neighborhoods of Covington for 22 years um, before coming over here, and we really focused as that organization evolved over time on a lot of creative placemaking efforts and combining arts and real estate. And so I brought some of that experience to my role at Price Hill Will. Um, and one of the things that I've been like thrilled about at Price Hill Will over the last several years is that we've really truly integrated all aspects of our work. You know, we used to really, when I first started at the organization, there were sort of silos, like folks worked on My Cincinnati or they worked on real estate or they worked on community engagement. And now it's all fully integrated where it's really hard to tell like, who is this silo anymore? We're all kind of working together, which is That's great. It is a, um, a big shift for us, uh, but I think it makes everybody stronger. Um, and one of the things that I personally love is that on any given issue, we might have someone who has real estate expertise, someone who is a musician, and somebody who has a planning background, all approaching a, a challenge or opportunity from different perspectives. And that's how we really come up with amazing solutions um, that are really you know, connected with and for our residents and um, really help us be an effective organization. That's awesome. It's been a um, an increasing practice, I think, to involve artists in community planning solutions. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. And I guess that is what creative placemaking is at the heart of it. Uh, a lot of foundation funding for that work across the country, mm -hmm. uh, which has been great to see. Uh, we need more of that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so ArtsWave um, does... Well, we have seven grants programs, but our largest one is unrestricted operating support for this year, 49 organizations. And Price Hill Will is one of nine new organizations to that cohort. Um, and, you know, I think unrestricted operating support is probably the hardest kind of money to raise. Mm -hmm. So why did you do your happy dance when you found <laughs> out that you got this grant from ArtsWave? Uh, I think a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, I think it really validates the effort and the, the change that we've been working on for the last, you know, five to 10 years of really fully integrating all of our work. Um, and really using arts as a tool to connect residents with one another and you know, to the greater price sale neighborhoods. Um, but also, you know, unrestricted funding allows us to be flexible and nimble. You know, we are always responsive to, you know, the changing environment in our community. So, you know, a lot of uh, funders uh, are very specific about only funding new projects and programs. 
um, right. which is good, but it can also be a challenge <laughs> if you want to continue some good work that you've been doing for a long time, right? So right. as we are, as it, I'll use my Cincinnati as an example, um, you know, at our core, and it began as a strings program, we will always have strings. Um, and if funders only want to fund new things, we keep on adding instruments, we keep on adding <laughs> winds and brass. And so eventually we're just going to run out of instrument, right? Like that's just, you know, we have percussion, we have marimbas now, like we have, you know, we're adding all that stuff and it's amazing for the kids. Right. But at some point you can't keep on adding new, you need right. to like focus on the strengths you have and continue to you know, provide those. Um, opportunities. Um, so the unrestricted funding really helps us like keep our core base together. And that is really important as we are, you know, again, continuing to be responsive to our community. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's great to hear that, that you've been able to grow the way that you have and, and keep my Cincinnati as sort of the center mm-hmm. of this much larger community development hub that you've built. Um, I, you know, I think funders are increasingly aware of how important operating support is, uh, and yet it's still hard to make that case sometimes because there's a little bit of risk involved for a funder to take. So it's it's not easy, is it, Jamie? No, it's not. I, I think you know when a funder is evaluating a project or a request, they want to make sure that the funds are going to be used responsibly and. When you assign those funds to a project or a capital request, it's very clear to see what the outcomes of those will be. Mm-hmm. When it's for a general operating request, it's a little bit less clear. And you could say, well, it's very important. And we have this discussion internally all the time is how like, how could we get funders to move to sort of saying more unrestricted funds? Um, but also, we also want to respect their decision and their process in how they make their decisions. I think the other thing is that, you know, funders aren't looking just at one organization. They're looking at several organizations at one time, and they're sort of constantly trying to balance what is the right distribution of funds amongst the organizations in the community. And so that's always sometimes makes it a little bit more challenging because sometimes they're going to prioritize gifts that will make a significant difference to a certain organization who has a one-time request. So it's always Mm -hmm. this sort of constant balancing and rebalancing of, Mm -hmm. oh, well, maybe it's this organization's year to get a little bit of a bigger (laughs) gift. And, oh, but we still want to keep the programming of our commitment to this community organization at the same level. So it's sort of a constant, like, it's just, it's a constant balancing act. It is. Uh, and we joke here that, you know, there's never enough. <laughs> never. There is never enough. <laughs> and that's, you know, the truth of it. And that's why fundraising is difficult. But I think grant making is even more so for the reasons you say, the choices that have to be made. I, I think, I don't think people realize that the trustees we work with anyway, they take their responsibility very seriously yes. and they want to make sure that the investments in the community are the right ones. And they, they spend a lot of time and effort trying to understand the projects. And I really, that was one of the things that really impressed me with the people we worked with is that this wasn't capricious. It was very thoughtful and it was very, um, it was, it seems very fair in that the process they go through to make decisions is, is as equitable as I think it can be at this point. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I certainly see the commitment of community investors across our our region. It's an incredibly invested group of people that care about legacies mm-hmm. um, and and the future of 
our region. Rachel, have you found like a particular argument or um, example that helps you make the case to funders? Um, I mean, I think, again, because we are both a CDC and arts organization, I think that helps uh, funders see that we are different um, and that it makes us stand out a little bit. Um, but also, I mean, we have such amazing strengths and opportunities in our Price Hill community that we really kind of tell the story of how uh, our organization works with folks in the community to help them improve their quality of life and transform uh, opportunities. So I we really tell that story a lot. Um, and also, you know, especially as our, our My Cincinnati Youth Orchestra, you know, we're moving into our 13th season uh, this fall, which is just amazing. Yes. This time flies, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, we are now seeing, heaven for the last couple of years, seeing students who started in third grade have graduated from high school. They're going on to college. They're going into music education. So it is really, be, you know, uh, transformed their entire trajectory of their life. Um, and so being able to tell that story and really share anecdotes about how some of our young people are, you know, this has uh, affected their entire uh, life is is really powerful. Um, and then again, sort of because we are a very multifaceted organization, you know, some of our My Cincinnati families, we've also been able to sell them houses through our homesteading programs. Oh, wow. So they're Program, so they're building equity. Um, homesteading allows families who cannot afford to get a conventional mortgage. We sell them a house in a land contract. They make payments to us over five years. Um, so they become homeowners very quickly and can build equity. Um, and so that opportunity, again, for families who have been sort of left out of the opportunity to build generational wealth, the ability for them to have that um, opportunity. And then again, you know, their kids are going into college. It's changing their lives and therefore changing our neighborhood. So um, I, I guess that's say the way our programs intertwine to support mm -hmm. the community is, is really powerful. So just to clarify, all of that incredible set of outcomes, that all started with the youth, the young person in yes. orchestra. Yes, right. So, <laughs> uh, you know, because our My Cincinnati teaching artists are very close with their students, right? Everything is done in an ensemble setting. So students and teachers are literally sitting together every single day after school. Uh, several years ago, some of our teaching artists kept on hearing from students about their living conditions. We had kids like moving around the neighborhood all of the time, um, you know, sometimes moving in and out of the neighborhood. And, you know, My Cincinnati is focused on students who live or go to school in Price Hills. So we had students who were like having to leave and then coming back and we were trying to make accommodations. Um, but the more we heard about these terrible living conditions and the exorbitant prices people were paying, we're like, we need to be a part of this solution. We cannot wow. let this continue and see our students suffer. So we did a lot of investigation, found out, I mean, obviously some folks have, you know, monetary challenges where they don't have the ability to get a conventional mortgage or a mortgage because of financial barriers, but also so many of our families are immigrants um, or they don't bank. Um, so they don't have a credit uh -huh. history and they, therefore they cannot get a conventional wow. mortgage. So folks have money and strengths, but they can't get a conventional mortgage. And that was the one barrier to them becoming a homeowner. And so in, you know, price to will, as amazing as we are, we cannot change the entire banking system. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. I, I would think like you're to. On a roll. <laughs> but so we created our own program where, we, again, you know, we buy a house, we renovate it, we sell it on a land contract to a family. They make payments to us over five years. That's and at the amazing. end of that five years, we transfer ownership of the house to them. And that all started because of conversations around, you know, violin lessons at my Cincinnati. That's amazing. Talk about arts leaning in to solve big, intractable problems. Yes. And a great example of just the capacity of arts organizations and leaders 
to do big business things. I mean, this is major economic development that you're engaged in. And it's also a set of very measurable outcomes. And that's kind of a buzz phrase, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole push from funders, ArtsWave included, for data. Jamie, how much do you look for hard numbers as evidence? We do look for outcomes, absolutely. And that is one of the sections in almost any grant application that we would manage. I would say that they don't have to be lofty. They just have to be realistic. Yeah. So I, I think being realistic on what your outcome would be, and it, it may be very simple. I mean, the outcome could range from we're going to, um, this program is going to reach X amount of children or people in this time period. And we think that the sort of, I would say the soft outcomes would be these skills that they would learn. Like it could be that basic, or it could just be, we're going to build this building. And once we have this building, X, Y, and Z is going to happen in the community. Mm -hmm. I do think it's important because again, you know, the foundations we work with, they want to have a community impact and they want to make sure that the funds they're supplying to the nonprofits is impacting the community. And that's really the best way. I'm not saying it's it's an amazing way, but it is the best way we have right now to see those outcomes it is just sort of list them and they don't have to be super complex. Like I said, they can be pretty simple and clear it mm -hmm. is, is my preference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't have to be you don't need to have a lot of them. They can be two or three. Like, that's fine. Right. Right. We used to tell each other that what gets measured gets done. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's another sort of way a funder pushes for intentionality, right? Yeah. And I also think it, it's a way to say, well, you've been thoughtful about what you've been yeah. asking for. So, like, you've thought it from, from here's what we want to do and here's what we think is going to happen instead of just, well, here's what we want to do, right? Like you want to, you want to <laughs> right. see that somebody thought through the whole project and there's some intentionality behind the request. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the opposite of capriciousness. Right. Yes. That's <laughs> such a great word. Oh, and I'm dropping everything this morning. Um, okay. So as we wrap up, I want to give you each an opportunity to like tell listeners, Rachel, one thing you wish funders knew or asked or didn't ask that would make your life easier? And Jamie, what's one tip or wish you had for grant seekers that would make your job easier? Who wants to go first? I can go first. Okay. Um, so <laughs> the one thing that I would wish for is that when we work with the nonprofit, we have a process for a purpose like we're not doing things just because we think it's fun. So most organizations are very respectful of that process. So we generally, we have sort of a, a, a mini evaluation where we just do a little research and a little due diligence. We look at the 990 and we look at their website and their staff and their board, and then we might have a conversation and then there's an application. The components of that process and the application are there for a reason. Uh -huh. So if, the nonprofit, the more intentional they are about filling out that those questions, the less work we have to do on our end to get those answers and the more likely the end result will be what is requested. So we're not throwing these things out there because we think it's a good idea or it's really it's the information that we can communicate to the trustees to make an informed decision. And that goes from everything from 
you know, what is the purpose of the grant? What are those outcomes? And then also what are the financials behind it? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the financials is the place where people get caught up a little bit um, because, you know, we're not looking to see that you have a large amount of revenue and we're really just looking if you're being responsible with what you have. And yeah. we want to make sure that you're running your organization effectively and efficiently and that you understand what's happening in your business because right. a nonprofit is a business. So absolutely filling out the application, filling out all the components that that's going to make a smoother pass to the res. The pa sorry. <laughs> that'll make a smoother path to the resolution that you hope to achieve. So we, and we're really happy to partner with people on that and to answer questions. Yeah. I think that makes us a little bit different than some organizations that we have the bandwidth to do that because yeah. not everybody does. That is true. And I completely agree. We have to have processes or, you know, we just can't manage the volume or the impact. It, it's also not fair. Yeah, that's right? true. Right, because if if the other thing that the process and the application does is it says everybody enters in at the same point, they fill out the same questions, and they can be evaluate on a level playing field. Whether mm -hmm. you're, you know, an arts organization with a budget of ten million dollars, or an arts organization that has a budget of a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Like they they have to sort of go through the same process, and it and it it says to us like, oh yes, here are the benchmarks that you're meeting and the trustees can evaluate that mm -hmm. on a, sort of a mm -hmm. level playing field. That's right. That's right. Uh, equity in the process and transparency around it is mm -hmm. important and not necessarily easy. Um, so how's your experience, Rachel? So I think um, certainly being able to develop relationships with funders is really important so that they, because we are a, you know, a very multifaceted organization yeah. and so we don't just fit in neatly in one box and whenever we have been you know squished into a box either by choice or you know by proxy that makes it difficult for us because we're doing lots of different things uh in our community so having that relationship helping you know uh letting us explain sort of like who we are what we want to do and how all those things intertwine is really important to us um and then i wanted to touch on what uh jamie was just saying about how nonprofits are businesses like we have payroll and audits and taxes i mean there's a lot it is it is uh, extremely complicated, right? Uh, there's a lot that needs to happen um, in order to run an effective organization. And um, that's in some ways why some of the you know general operating support is so important because those kinds of that sort of housekeeping stuff doesn't seem very exciting and sexy, but that is the basis of all of the other good work. That's right. Um, and really, really important uh, to do well. Um, and the amount of uh, pressure on uh, nonprofit executives to keep that ship afloat is is, is pretty intense. Um, and so I guess one other thing I would hope uh, from funders is that they appreciate that and understand how what we're trying to do and, you know, give us some grace if there is, you know, a misstep every once in a while, but then also support us in being better and more effective, right? Um, there's not... A, really like a training school for how to be a nonprofit executive director. A lot of things you sort of learn on the fly. And so therefore, you know, I think it's best to always just reach out to as many people as you can and say, please help me. I cannot figure this out or we're struggling with this or I want to learn this or mm -hmm. I, you saw somebody yes. did something really well and you want to borrow their you know, wisdom. <laughs> um, and so I think that spirit of collaboration is, is really important, uh, both within the sort of nonprofit organizations themselves, but also with the funders, yeah. uh, because I think that's what really helps us all be more effective together. So help me and ArtSafe be more effective. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about the process we just put you through? 
well, I appreciated being able to know what the next steps were, um, because of the, again, to the point of transparency, sometimes you don't know what the next steps are or what the timeline is going to be. So that was really helpful to us. I felt like every step along the way, whether it was the sort of letter of intent or the narrative or the video, like we knew we had enough lead time to build Good. all that into our work schedules. So that was really helpful. And I appreciated that. Um, yeah, surprises like are ne never <laughs> fun along <laughs> a funding uh, path. Yeah. Um, but also, I, you know, I feel like we really learned a lot along the way, like especially working on the narrative as we were kind of trying to craft our story with the character limits, right? And yes. I appreciate from the funder's perspective, the amount of <laughs> text that you all must read on any given week is insane, I'm sure. Um, from a, you know, a grant writer's perspective, squeezing things into character limits is, is a challenge, and yet it helps you craft your message more effectively and efficiently. Um, and so by, again, we have a very collaborative process to work on that in-house, and we okay. all had sort of different years of experience and perspectives, and so kind of forcing us to sit down and co-write and co-edit uh, was... Um, it was a challenge, but it was good. It was really healthy good. for us as an organization. So I appreciate awesome that. awesome to hear. And the best proposals really are the ones where the, you know, the leader has a voice in the proposal and hasn't sort of delegated it to a, a grant writer if there's that yeah. staff person. So thank you for being mm -hmm. personally involved. Jamie, any tips you'd like to give Artswave relative to our funding relationships in the community? Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, I we mean, do have a grant proposal coming due soon, I think. It's true. You do have a grant proposal <laughs> coming due soon. Um, no, you know, Artswave has been a great partner um, on, on in both aspects of what you do, distributing funds and also requesting funds. Your proposals are always on spot, and I appreciate the additional information you share with us so that we can be better informed about the organizations that you support. Yes. Um, that's actually really beneficial and it helps um, our community just be a better place, right? So that, that we can all work together. Because I really feel like when we're talking about your request to us, it's really about a funding partnership about yes. how are we going to move the arts organizations in this community forward yes. versus just giving arts wave money. Exactly. Right. Right. It's exactly. really about, about we're of... all on the same team trying mm -hmm. to make sure that the community has and remains like an amazing arts community, which it, which it is. And it has a huge legacy of, of that arts community involvement. So we're happy to partner with you on that. Well, thank you so much. We, we're grateful. We're grateful. We really are. It's an amazing community with fantastic leaders, visionary leaders like Rachel Hastings of Price Hill Will, Jamie Markle of Ignite Philanthropy. Thank you guys so much for talking with me this morning about my favorite subject, investing in the arts. So I'm sure we'll catch up very soon. And yep. till then, it's a wrap.